Hi, Karan. Welcome Hi. to Network Capital. In this podcast, we try to understand why people do what they do. We're really excited to be having a conversation with you. Could you get us started by telling us uh, very briefly what do you do today and uh, what got you here? Uh, thank you so much, Utkarsh, for having me on this platform. Uh, it's an honor to be talking to you uh, and sharing this with uh, fellow NC members. Uh, so I currently, I work in the higher education space. Uh, I bear a lifelong commitment to working in higher education. And at present, I work at Ashoka University, where I am responsible for outreach and admissions for the university's flagship graduate program, the Young India Fellowship. Um, what got me here, I mean, there's a very long story to that, but very broadly uh, speaking, uh, over the last five or six years, ever since I did the Young India Fellowship, I have been fortunate to chance upon several opportunities to work in higher education, each of which successfully uh, solidified my commitment uh, and desire to make a meaningful contribution to higher education transformation in India. Uh, so that's basically the short uh, answer to uh, to your question. Understood. And in the middle, you've gone on to uh, get a Fulbright and study at the Harvard School of Education and in the middle done a whole bunch of interesting things, which we will dive into later. But uh, I want to focus more in the first half of this podcast about uh, the Young India Fellowship. Could you tell me what your first day was like? at the fellowship program and what got you interested in applying for it? Okay, uh, so uh, maybe I could start with the second uh, part of your question. Sure. So I, I, I graduated in economics uh, and I was working in a bank uh, and uh, like the quintessential millennial, I was a bit uh, dis disillusioned uh, by the lack of relatability between what I had studied in my undergrad and the kind of work I was expected to do. Uh, I was broadly very uh, disheartened that people at large did not seem to really value who one might be as an individual, but cared more about what is on their CV. Uh, so like, and this is when I was 20 years old, uh, I had a very limited uh, understanding of the world. And uh, so then I chanced upon the Young India Fellowship, uh, which was how did you chance upon it? So basically a friend of mine uh, who who was part of the same organization that I worked in during during college, ISEC, uh, she was pursuing the Young India Fellowship and uh, I spoke to her and I looked at the website and it seemed like a place where uh, one could uh, sort of figure out what they were uh, passionate about. Uh, one could learn more, uh, one could get breadth uh, in multiple things uh, without having to, uh, you know, go into the depths of it. Uh, and a simple question I asked myself was, you know, if what would be a good way to figure out what one's, what one wants to do in their life? And a pretty clear answer was, uh, or it, I mean, in retrospect, and at that time, uh, uh, it seemed like if if one is able to get a holistic view of multiple walks of life uh, all in one place. Uh, that might be a pretty sweet deal uh, in order for you to be able to figure out, you know, what you're passionate about by simply be, by being exposed to multiple perspectives, multiple disciplines, multiple schools of thought, uh, and so on. 
So for that precise reason, I applied to the fellowship and uh, then the rest is history. Uh, but uh, I did I did get into the fellowship and uh, the first day, like you were asking me. Uh, yeah, before you answer that, you yeah. mentioned something about breadth and depth. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's a really interesting point because uh, both breadth and depth are important. But in the program, it seemed to me that you said that in when you applied, you thought that it would be more about breadth than depth. Mm -hmm. um, is that true? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I was looking at a website which had about 25 different courses, each of which from a different discipline and most of which had course titles that just looked so damn interesting. Uh, Shakespeare in the world, statistics and its applications in the modern world, leadership for a new economy, and so on and so forth. So that seemed really interesting. And if I preface this a little bit, I would say that, uh, you know, many of us, owing to the social fabric uh, that encompasses us in, in India, uh, traditionally we've, we've always been straight jacketed. And uh, the default route is either to, you know, do engineering or something which is conventional. But the point being that you you straight away when you're 16 or 17 without really knowing anything about the world, you just go into the depths of a subject and graduate in that without getting a chance to know about the world. So I did some, uh, at least on paper, uh, get depth uh, as a graduate of economics. But I left I left my undergrad experience not knowing uh, anything, if I would say so, about the world around me. Uh, and I think that was the fundamental reason for my confusion and lack of clarity or disillusionment, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so then came the YIF, which was which seemed like a, a remedy in some ways to uh, to the lack of breadth uh, that I, I that uh, to the lack of breadth in my undergraduate education. So which is why it seemed like a good compliment. And it's really well said. I think uh, these days we on Network Capital have been encouraging our community members to look at uh, um, the T model where more than uh, it's not breadth or depth. It's basically the willingness to learn mm -hmm. and uh, the flexibility to choose what you want to specialize in as opposed to being preordained that, you know, since you were born, you are this is what you're going to study. This is what you're going to specialize in. This is the kind of a career that you're going to build. Yeah. So I even um, so I think I agree with your assessment of the program, but there are many layers to it. So let's talk about your first day at the fellowship. What was it like? Uh, were your parents skeptical? You're joining some uh, airy fairy fellowship program in liberal arts in a country like India, where everyone is obsessed with engineering and MBA. Um, well, I mean, parents in general, uh, are likely to be very skeptical of this. I was, uh, I was in some ways an anomaly. Like my case was an anomaly in the sense that my parents, at that stage in life, uh, when I was like 21, uh, so I, I belong to a defense background. So like we've, uh, we've moved around a lot, and like we've been exposed to different kinds of perspectives and people and environments. So my parents were relatively, uh, relatively more supportive of an idea like this. Uh, they seemed to have faith in what I was thinking uh, about what might be best for my career. And uh, the route they took was to just be supportive. I think uh, a little part of this has to do with uh, many of the tantrums that I may have thrown and then them, uh, my parents being uh, like, OK, fine, this guy, 
our kid. He knows he knows what he wants to do. Uh, and even if he doesn't, maybe something like this will be quite encouraging and uh, give him clarity. But one very specific thing that that may have uh, sealed the deal for my parents to be more supportive of this is when I got my offer letter, uh, something that I had never imagined would happen. Uh, the offer letter as well as the contents of it. Uh, and I want to talk about the contents. So there was an offer letter for me. Uh, but along with that, there was a letter of appreciation and congratulations uh, for my parents, where uh, the leaders of the program, uh, they wrote to my parents directly, telling them about what YF is and uh, what kind of an environment I'm going to be in. And that really, I, I think that uh, made a huge difference in them being uh, supportive and excited for me. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you know, you have you have the best people coming and teaching you, you have the brightest minds from across the country uh, coming in, studying along with you. So, I mean, something is bound to happen. There is no way that there won't be any sort of transformation in you. And so this is what you told your parents and uh, you came by and large with this assumption to uh, the fellowship program. To start with, were you overwhelmed, surprised, all of it, none of it? I. I was pleasantly overwhelmed, uh, not to the point of being too anxious, but to the point of feeling very energetic. My first day was essentially, uh, hmm, it was, I, re I remember just meeting different people and being excited uh, by the fact that you're going to be in a class where you have an engineer, you have a doctor, a lawyer, a mountain climber, a philanthropist, a poet, uh, an astrophysicist, a writer, and and like so many more so like that was just so empowering and energizing uh, of course there was uh, some level of what i now know as uh, the imposter syndrome uh, i was wondering how the hell did i get into a place like this uh, where everyone is just so well read and like so uh, articulate and whatnot and here i was a very simple person with a very basic understanding of the world not not well aware just in my own little bubble. So in that ways, it was like pleasantly overwhelming. But I also remember we had a lecture, our first guest lecture on the first day was by Madeleine Albright. And I'm like, whoa, what is going on? Uh, so it was that kind of a moment. Yep. So what was uh, the lecture must have left you with so many questions and answers, not normally. Uh, or normally what doesn't happen is that you walk into a classroom and you meet people from all walks of life and there's Madeleine Albright coming to talk to you about uh, her journey so far. Yeah. And it was, prep sorry. you for the next uh, next steps at the fellowship. Absolutely. So like, and please don't ask me about the contents of the lecture because uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I, I, I don't think I can recall them. I just remember being blown away as I was every other day of the fellowship. Uh, yeah, but uh, I agree with uh, what you say. Uh, yeah, it did. It did set the tone for what the year was going to be. How how was the year structured for you academically and professionally? And how did it prepare you for what you decided to do after the fellowship? Hmm. So uh, in terms of the program structure, it was and it currently even is structured as a year long residential program where uh, the year is divided into eight terms of six weeks each. And every six weeks, uh, you have 
three, uh, two or three different courses in completely different disciplines that you study. Uh, and it's incredibly rigorous. Uh, on top of on top of the academic courses, we also had a layer of mentorship uh, where we were matched with an industry or academic leader uh, from India or across the world who would help us think through uh, our life and like what we want to do, how we want to do it. And then the other layer was that of the experiential learning module, the ELM, uh, which was uh, essentially an eight month long project that complemented our classroom and out of class academic learning with a very uh, with a very hands on exposure to a real world problem. So that's what it was like. Uh, so, I mean, every day you have something new happening, you have a you have maybe two or three different classes, then you have a guest lecture, then you have all of you in a hostel, uh, just talking to each other, learning from each other, sharing a meal, uh, starting to talk about politics and so on and so forth. So like there was just so much happening all the time. And uh, in the moment while I was in the fellowship, like I only had a very broad thought that yes, uh, education without without knowing much about how educate the education system works just a very fundamental thought in my mind was that uh, uh, just a reformed education system that equips people with the right set of abilities and tools and frameworks uh, is a pretty good starting point so that led me to sort of believe that okay if if not a b c or d uh, the worst case scenario i think uh, a career or at least a first job after wife working in the education space would be a good idea to just to understand the system and be more aware of it and then see how whether it makes sense for me or not i hope that answered the question it does what was your elm about so uh, my elm uh, in fact uh, i uh, yeah so so my elm was actually with wif itself and uh, and and that was because, uh, like I was saying, uh, at some point in the initial months, I thought it might be good to understand how the education system works. And since YF was this unprecedented path-breaking initiative, uh, at that time it was called the Rhodes Scholarship of India or something like that, uh, it might be interesting to see how the integrities work. So what I did was, along with my batchmates, three, uh, three of us, we were part of we had an ELM with the outreach and admissions team itself of the YIF, uh, the same team I lead now. Uh, and there, uh, our goal was to, you know, uh, understand the admissions process, understand what is happening around the country. But most importantly, and the tougher part was actually to figure out how do we make other people see the value of a multidisciplinary education uh, in a in a place where the social fabric almost coerces you uh, to do on the contrary, to be straight jacketed in some ways. Uh, and also, I must say that, like, I'm just speaking very broadly and I might risk making gross generalizations, which I do not intend to. But that was I'm just conveying the sentiment. I hope that's uh, clear. Yeah. So that's what our ELM was about. And uh, you decided to uh, do what after the fellowship? So um, I, I, working with Ashoka uh, at that time, I mean, that time there was no Ashoka, but we knew that Ashoka was going to come up in the year following our graduation. So I thought that it might be a good opportunity to consider uh, 
however that is not what i did immediately uh, just soon before the shortly before the fellowship was ending i decided to uh, join some of my friends uh, for a, for some time uh, in a home automation startup uh, and i did that maybe for like 3 or 4 months uh, uh, spent a little bit of time just to understand and everything but uh, that didn't seem to work out for me and uh, i then i then i wait, went back actually to ashoka i went to dr chobe and we spoke and like we i ultimately ended up working with ashoka which was my first proper job after wires uh, again in the same team that i am now leading uh, so i was the youngest uh, member of that team at that point i see and what were some of the other colleagues uh, and friends at uh, the young india fellowship doing in your cohort and now that you have the benefit of hindsight mm-hmm. how do you think uh, the fellowship experience prepared them and are there some examples in which the fellowship experience sort of did not work for people um yes uh, so i mean the fellowship experience like for most people it is a very transformational experience as you might imagine uh, but uh, i mean for some people who uh, who are not i mean uh, it's a tough question to answer utkarsh um like i mean it doesn't work for everyone uh, that is the short answer there are some people who uh, already have a lot of clarity on their life and have an idea of exactly what they want to do after the fellowship so in that sense it doesn't work for them as much as it does for other people who are a bit conflicted about how they want to approach their own professional careers uh, so there were some people who who just went straight up to back to their fields what uh, in in the work that they were doing uh, but that was a very small chunk of the people maybe 10% but at the same time i feel that the fellowship did do something for them uh, based on the conversations i've had with some of them uh, essentially it uh, even if people went back to the same career uh, the fellowship at the very least give them a set of new eyes uh, As, as, and by that i mean like a fresh perspective actually a bunch of perspectives with which uh, they could see the world uh, so that's for the people who may have gotten lesser out of the fellowship but uh, lesser is very relative in this space uh, oh. uh, but i would i would say like if i were to try and generalize uh, what you get out of the fellowship is in many ways a direct consequence of how immersed you are in the fellowship i mean you could be any in the world right as it is with almost every investment you make uh, for professional development or otherwise exactly i mean you can also be in the fellowship you can be a you can be a star studded person uh, with great credentials and great aspirations and not really uh, not really engage with the academic curriculum or the experiential curriculum or with other fellows uh, i mean you will still get what you want out of the fellowship maybe you want a mentor who will uh who will help you get a great job after the fellowship and people have gotten that but uh, for a majority of the people who immerse themselves fully uh almost everyone i've spoken to does tell me that uh, the fellowship experience was extremely transformational uh everyone is pretty much on a distinct career trajectory so like for me like i'm in i was in the banking industry that moved to the education sector 
uh, then there were people like uh, speaking about people who uh, who continue their same work there was some there was someone who started an organization that works on making inclusive play spaces for children and uh, she in fact is uh, now a forbes 30 under 30 doing the same thing but with you know uh, like i was saying a fresh pair of eyes uh, she's a forbes 30 under 30 uh, for the work that she's doing in creating those play spaces for children uh, she's a, a designer from nid uh, another person who uh, who was a filmmaker uh, who teamed up with uh, a race car driver two of them were roommates in the yif for the elm uh they 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 basically started out their own elm which 6 years later is also their bread and butter uh the organization is called quidditch and it all started with a drone in a room in the hostel uh and uh, you know they they were like maybe there's something we can do with this so so they they figured their stuff out and uh, today they are among the most successful drone uh, related uh, organizations in the country Uh, all the IPL matches that you see, uh, most of the Indian cricket matches that you see, all the aerial shots or the buggy cam shots that you see, they are doing those things. Uh, so, I mean, there are multiple stories of transformation and discovery and exploration and growth, uh, as even you would recall. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I can go on and on for hours, probably days, about the kind of about the kinds of things that people are doing. uh it's very humbling uh, to be in an environment like this and it teaches you a lot you know let's think through the career opportunities that uh, that open up after the fellowship mm-hmm. so on network capital scores of people come to us uh, asking you know what's the fellowship really about and of course many of our community members are young in their fellows and we point them towards uh, towards them and of course i jump in based on the experience that i had which was uh, you know transformational but uh, i think examples only prove examples let's try and identify broader frameworks what do people do after the fellowship generally um that's a that's an easy and a tough question to answer so because... uh, let's take the let's just uh, start with the high level uh, and then we'll go deeper sure so uh, broadly speaking utkarsh uh, people do get into a whole bunch of careers after the fellowship uh, i would say about uh, every year when people graduate i would say about 80% of the people uh, work and maybe 20% of the people go for higher studies and somewhere in between people also choose to not do anything because uh, there's a lot of absorption and reflection that you have to do after the fe- during and after the fellowship within the people who work there's a significant chunk that is divided between the for profit or corporate sector and also in the not for profit or the development sector uh currently if you look at the alumni community as a whole uh, the yf alumni community i would say about 35 odd percent uh, people work in the development space uh 15 odd percent people would work in the education space obviously the boundaries are very blurry so you can say roughly 45 to 50% are in development or education related work uh then we have people who are also working in uh in the diplomacy consulting uh government engaging kind of uh, roles uh then we have people who are in the entertainment industry who are and the media and film and uh, journalism uh industry uh then there are people who are also doing uh 
their own ventures. We have at least 50, if not uh, if not less or more, uh, alumni uh, alumni developed ventures across multiple sectors. Uh, then we also have people who, uh, like I was saying, like the, we have people who are also pursuing higher studies or have pursued higher studies. Uh, there are at least 40 uh, distinct uh, fields of study that people have taken up after the fellowship, ranging from human-computer interaction, uh, cognitive psychology, organizational behavior, business, uh, public policy, public administration, education, uh, and so on and so forth. And then we have people who've done like their PhDs, people who've done their MFAs, and so on. Yeah, so there's quite a range of things, Utkarsh. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's what it is. No, oh, thank you, Karan. This is very helpful. What about corporates? I mean, uh, mm -hmm. do you feel that uh, a lot of people, or at least a chunk of the class, also joins corporates in startups, or is it is the fellowship largely for people who are uh, interested in the nonprofit scheme of things? Uh, Utkarsh, there's a there's a mix of both, a very healthy mix of both, I would say. Uh, there are so the thing is about the fellowship that there is a lot of variability also one in the in the kinds of backgrounds that people come from and also the age brackets in which people are. So like people are in the fellowship like uh, belong to the ages of uh, anything between 20, 19 or 22 up to 28. So there are people who uh, who might be freshers and they might want to, uh, you know, say go into the corporate space, uh, say to a McKinsey or to a Dalberg or something like that. So there are people like that. Then there are also senior people, senior as in like just based on work experience, uh, people who've had three, four years of work experience, maybe in the corporate space and want to shift to the development space. Uh, but then we also have, uh, we have like a healthy combination uh, of uh, these uh, few elements. People with and without WorkEx either wanting to explore the corporate sector or wanting to switch from the corporate to the development sector and so on. So that's what it broadly is. You know, a lot of people ask me, uh, what's the difference between uh, the Young India Fellowship and an MBA? And of course, like, they're two very, very different programs. Right. Um, but you've also st pursued a master's after that. I went for an MBA, you went for a master's in uh, higher education. Right. Uh, what's the difference between a, a specialized master's and... Uh, the Young India Fellowship, and can the Young India Fellowship be an alternative to people who, who are looking for master's programs? Um, again, a very uh, tough question to answer, Utkarsh. Uh, I would, my initial response to this would be that uh, one is that there cannot be a single answer to this. Of course, one can look at, like many people do look at the YIF as an alternative to an MBA, like I know of people who've deferred or rejected admissions to say an ISB or to a Yale or to an IIM Ahmedabad just to come and attend the Young India Fellowship. Uh, the point is to actually go into the depths and see what really happens in the programs. I can't accurately comment on what an MBA really does, uh, but I can comment uh, reasonably on what the fellowship does, and it does two things. Uh, one, it helps you build perspective, no matter what stage of your career or uh, career trajectory you're in. 
perspective that comes through th comes in three ways uh, through the diversity in three ways one through the people you are with the fellows uh, the other through the faculty who who come who, who comes and teaches you and finally the diversity in the ways in which you engage with the curriculum and with other people, which is quite unprecedented uh, in such a compact and uh, compact way in a higher education setting. So uh, as a consequence of these things, you uh, you also you also build or shape uh, your 21st century skills, you know, uh, which is the new buzzword doing the rounds. Uh, the ability to think critically and from multiple perspectives, the, the ability to collaborate with people, the ability to be empathetic in your leadership, uh, the ability to solve problems uh, in a comprehensive way. So these are some of the things that the Young India Fellowship teaches you and, uh, and in very different ways, obviously, again, uh, uh, a direct consequence of how immersed you are when you're in the fellowship. Um, and... And see now, like there are multiple readings and re research articles that people may have been coming across where people talk about how uh, the liberal arts are uh, are a valuable, like a liberal arts path is a very valuable path for any young person to take just because of how it exposes you to just so many things. Uh, you, you may learn, you may learn concrete domain specific things. Uh, in other programs, but in the YF, you get a broad sense of everything. But at the same time, you you're able to make sense of multiple things together. And uh, no matter what you do, no matter where you are in the world, and no matter what your career, uh, just these softer aspects that make you a better human being uh, are, to my mind, just indispensable. And while not everyone may recognize that today, uh, there is no doubt in my mind that, say, five years or ten years from now, that will be the central, uh, that will be among the central things that are game-changing uh, for uh, for people as we know it, and for industries and for academia. Just being a, a better person who has a holistic sense of things. Uh, generalization and specialization. So I look at myself uh, as a specialized generalist. Uh, and by that, I mean, uh, I am a generalist, like I like doing a bunch of things. I like performing a bunch of roles and from different angles. Uh, but I'm specialized to the effect of the industry that I'm working in. Uh, so that's how I look at myself. And uh, that's maybe one framework to even look at for anyone to look at themselves. Uh, yeah, I hope. I hope that sort of answers uh, your... It does, Karan. It, uh, it does, really. And we've been studying at Network Capital a lot of different frameworks. And what keeps coming back to us is that uh, liberal arts, it just helps you, um, you know, build the muscles that are required to shape the career that you want. And I think I've written about it extensively that we are moving away f in part from, you know, the uber for x model and moving towards what you call a purpose economy where people will be you know making a career right making careers or shaping careers in things that they truly care about and that's one thing that uh, truly distinguishes the young india fellows from uh, uh, from many others so to, to your point utkash uh, there's one very important thing that i don't think i mentioned uh, 
which is also the reason why I have so much clarity on on what I want to do in life now. Uh, and that is something that the Young India Fellowship taught me and presumably a lot of other people as well. It was the value of asking the right question. And I think it's as fundamental as that, Utkarsh. Uh, uh, being a confused person after my 12th, I gave the I gave multiple entrance exams for any for pretty much every undergraduate degree that you might imagine, ranging from design and architecture to engineering and whatnot and law too. Uh, but all like until the age of 22, 23, like the only the only question that I would ask myself to figure out what I want to do with my life is pretty much. What do I do with my life? And it never led me to an answer. And uh, the wife just changed that completely because the question became, uh, how do I make a meaningful contribution uh, to society? And uh, just asking myself that question over time uh, gave me a very clear answer. And I think I think that is one of the most valuable things uh, that I learned through experience at the Young India Fellowship. You know, Karan, you don't discover a passion or purpose by sitting under a tree, sitting under the metaphorical tree, right. uh, like Isaac Newton and waiting for the apple to fall. These things happen, yeah, in books. But today, we have to actually get out there. And there's a whole role of a, a community in helping you discover your purpose. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, programs like the Young India Fellowship uh, uh, do a great job of... of uh, helping one discover one's purpose. Look, I I, I went for an MBA right after, and I, I did feel that the, uh, the program helped me unearth the questions that, uh, that are important. And I, I'm sure I've seen that it does for many others. Let's, uh, let's switch gears now and uh, look at how the program has evolved from my cohort, which was uh, 57 people, to yeah. to the number of people that there are today. I'm obviously not asking you to become a student again, but uh, objectively, what are some uh, advantages and disadvantages of, if there are disadvantages of the growth in the number of uh, students that get to be a part of the fellowship? And what are the other changes that the, uh, that the program um, has undergone Mm-hmm. And what have been the growing up pains? What have been the challenges? Because it's not, uh, nothing is always sunny. So walk us through what's not worked as well. For sure. Uh, and this is obviously, uh, so I've... I've uh, just I'm make... asking your perspective. I'm not asking you to represent the institution, of course. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, Utkarsh, from my perspective, like uh, immediately after the fellowship, I also did a couple of teaching uh, fellowships at the university for some of the courses that fellows uh, undergo and also uh, also helped set up the alumni association so in in these in these capacities in my different engagements uh, there were some things that came up uh, so one of the things was that uh, given the success of the fellowships so early on uh, at a time where there was no ashoka and the wife was essentially launched uh, with the hope that one day the same thing could be done at an undergraduate level, given that we are coming from that time where you and I were part of the fellowship. I have been quite closely associated with subsequent batches uh, in different roles. But uh, yes, the program has, 
has changed in some ways, uh, but the DNA, I would still say, remains intact, which is to prepare young people to uh, quote-unquote reach for the stars, uh, or as we now are saying, uh, for young people to let their imagination unfold. Uh, the program has evolved from 57 fellows to 97, 200, to 200, and now 300 people. And uh, while as an alum, I had my beef with it, uh, primarily because of the reason or the assumption that, uh, you know, we won't have that personal connect with everyone in the cohort, uh, just, just for that reason. Uh, I've now seen actually the value of actually scaling up a program which is so unique uh, uh, and scaling it up in this way precisely for the reason that uh, an experience like this should be given to more people year on year. There are way too many young, brilliant minds in our country who deserve uh, a multidisciplinary education. They deserve to uh, make more sense of their lives and uh, do uh, what they can do best, uh, which is for them and for the world. Uh, that was one angle. Uh, so I think I think that's a very good step. Then obviously there are pains of institutionalizing something. Uh, from the time that you and I were in the fellowship, uh, it was uh, not part of a university. It was uh, in the in the in the south uh, south part of Delhi, uh, where we were in Katwariya Sarai, as you would recall, and we would have one classroom, and we would be in these hostels which you reach after going through several gullies, which had its own charm. Uh, but then the program got institutionalized and uh, in, a, in a good way, uh, which may have had many of its teething, teething challenges that accrue to any institutionalization process. Now it's governed, uh, like it does come under the UGC, the university is governed, uh, like it's a private university, right, Ashoka. So like the, the Young India Fellowship is a graduate program of the university which is what it was intended to be. So, I mean, there are some regulations that govern uh, the program, uh, but I don't think it, I can't point to a single thing which would like have a direct consequence really for the experience, apart from the fact that, I mean, instead of a certificate that we got, you now get a diploma. Uh, it didn't really matter to any of us what was on the piece of paper. It only mattered what we were learning and who we were with. Uh, so there's that technical change then then I think the other amazing thing uh, which makes me also keep coming back to this place is this beautiful campus. Like it's it's a state-of-the-art campus, as you know. It's got amazing facilities. Uh, we had to, if we had to play a sport, we would have to go to IIT Delhi and like reserve a spot or something like that, if I recall correctly. Now you have a state-of-the-art sports facility in the university itself. Then there are other very important things that I believe every institution should have, which is, you know, uh, something like the Center for Wellbeing and the Office for Learning Support. Uh, and all these are aspects that work in their own small ways towards uh, every student feeling a sense of belonging uh, on the campus so that they feel safe and feel like they can belong and they can do well. Uh, so there are many, many good things. And then I mean, bad things, if one may want to call it, uh, I mean, it's it's a practical and a pragmatic thing in, on, uh, on one angle, but it's the fact that uh, the cost of the program is uh, higher than what it used to be earlier. And the truth of the matter is that the cost of the program has always been this high. It always 
does cost a lot of money to run a program where you get faculty from the best institutions in India and the world. Uh, it's just that now the idea is that if there are people who can afford to pay for the program, then they should pay for the program. And uh, the, the need-based financial aid that we have at Ashoka, uh, it should be truly need-based, as it always has been. But uh, the idea is to give out scholarships uh, of higher number, uh, of higher value to people who really need it. Uh, so that's the thing. And uh, even in the admissions process, while the process, uh, while the uh, while the philosophy and the essence of the process remains the same, uh, we now also have uh, we also have separate offices for admissions and financial aid, uh, so as to maintain the integrity of both of these processes and to be objective yet be subjective in awarding admissions decisions. Uh, so admission is completely on merit. But it takes into account the context from which a candidate comes. Uh, someone who's been who's been brought up in a lot of privilege will uh, will have obviously different kinds of access to opportunities to prove themselves before they come to the fellowship than someone who has grown up in a small a small town, belongs uh, has a humble background, and so on and so forth. So like we take into account all of these things in the admissions process to uh, sort of a certain merit. Uh, and at the same time, the, the financial aid process, which happens independently of the admissions process, uh, also takes into account the context of the people. So while some of these things I know and I've seen are perceived as negative aspects, uh, but having now being at the helm of this process, uh, I know how valuable it is to uh, institutionalize, if I may say so, a program like this in this way. So yeah, both positives and negatives, uh, which are trying to be made uh, positives and meaningful for people. Yeah. What advice do you have for people uh, submitting for the YIF and how can one make a compelling application and walk us through some stuff that uh, more applicants should know when they're applying for the program? Okay. So I think... Uh, so the application in itself uh, is essentially, I mean, uh, hmm, uh, if you could give me a second. So the application has requirements of filling out basic information around around your work, if you've done something around your academics, around extracurriculars, and so on and so forth. But then the then the a very important part of the application is the essays. Uh, which require you to reflect a lot. Uh, things like, you know, what matters to you the most and why? What is your biggest achievement and why do you consider it to be so? And uh, then tell us about your personal journey and so on and so forth. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an application which uh, also makes you reflect a lot on your own life and your own value systems. Uh, the advice that I would have to applicants would be very straightforward. I think, please know that there is no right answer or right kind of way in which you can fill out the application. Uh, given that the Young India Fellowship is so damn unique in what it does and the kinds of people it brings in, uh, there is no set rubric as such for, uh, as to you know what might make the best application. But on a very fundamental level, if you are completely honest and authentic, 
if you uh, if you are saying something like for example if you are saying what matters to you the most is happiness for example then uh, then what we would look for is that you substantiate what you are saying with sound reason and logic so even if it's happiness that matters to you the most which i think is a beautiful thing to say uh, then you should be clear on why it matters to you the most uh, so we are looking for how you are thinking uh, if i may say so critically uh, about what you are writing uh, so being upfront and honest is very valuable then uh, being able to justify what you are saying in the in the limited space that we provide is also very essential uh so i think i think that's the most fundamentally important thing and uh, we have a range of people who who very rigorously look through your application uh, there are on typically there are two people who will read your application then push it to the next round if an application is not being uh, uh, looks like it's not going to go through if one person reads that and says it may not go through there's another person who reads through it again to make sure that we are not rejecting someone uh, just by one set of eyes having looked at it so essentially what i'm also saying is we operate uh, primarily from the principle of inclusion uh, our goal is to include you into this program and uh, we want to find reasons to do that uh, but uh, yeah so like that's how it happens and then we have a telephone interview where we try to get to know you a little bit better then we have a personal interview where we meet you in person uh, a two member panel which could be alums founders faculty administrators of the university uh, we sit together and we have a conversation with you to get to know you in depth we also have a comprehension test uh, where uh, where the idea is to see how you are approaching a problem statement it's a critical thinking test basically but in all of this be like i would encourage every applicant to be as authentic as they can be uh, and uh, they should be also critical uh, and i think these two are like some of the most important aspects that someone should keep in mind uh, yes and karan i know uh, that uh, we've uh, we've overshot time but i do want to spend uh, the next a shorter section on on your journey to the Harvard Graduate School of Education um what uh, what did that program why did you apply for that program what did that program really enable you to learn and uh, what advice do you have for people applying for that program okay so firstly i don't know if many people will apply to that program because it's a very specialized program uh what motivated me was see like i know myself fundamentally as a human being if uh, so tell us more about that program i think both of us have been sufficiently elusive about the program time to get into detail yeah so the program is basically a specialization uh, in higher education and uh, it's some way in some ways it's a bit meta because you're doing higher ed in higher ed uh, it's a program where you have the freedom to learn about multiple aspects however they are contextualized for higher education so for example i would say like i i studied a bit about public policy i studied a bit about entrepreneurship about philosophy about uh, about data and tech uh, and history but all of them i studied in the context of higher education institutions and systems 
so i mean in in some ways it is uh, it was like a yif focused on higher education if i may say so so i i again got breadth uh, but and some amount of depth uh, in understanding the complexities of the higher education enterprise and how policy around that can be made at a systemic level as well as at, a, at an institutional level how higher education systems are governed sustained uh, how do you use uh, how do you use data analytics uh, at a fundamental level or and even at complex levels to the point of meta uh, to, the, to the point of meta and uh, meta analysis uh, and uh, multi uh, and multiple regression uh, how do you use all of these tools to solve challenges facing higher education uh, so there were things like that uh, which i studied and uh, uh, yeah so that's that's what the program was it was a year long program and i just got back recently and uh, you i started guess the program um, what ambition did you have and uh, what are you doing today you already briefly mentioned it but is this what you thought you would do uh i did not think that i would be working at ashoka to be honest uh, i thought i would spend some time outside of ashoka uh, learn more uh, so that i can come back home uh, to and i believe you had choices right you had some choices uh, yes, to i was evaluating a few options all of them in higher education settings uh but i for multiple reasons i chose ashoka uh, one because uh, i mean one because i i would never miss an opportunity to give back to my alma mater Uh, but the other reason was that uh, for the work that i wish to do in higher education uh, over the next 10 years uh, there are multiple aspects of this role uh, which help me do that uh, and uh, my goal in life is to uh, at least for the next 8 to 10 years is to work on making higher education administration uh, an aspirational career for young people and uh, working here at ashoka uh being uh, always mesmerized by the energy that this place has i thought was a good place to do it uh yeah, so that that was the reason why i came back here uh, despite the many options that i was considering uh yeah so that's that's what it was now it's time for um, the secret sauce tips okay. for the application to being fully funded studying higher education at harvard being fully funded <laughs> uh i i mean i was just very fortunate to uh, to receive a fulbright scholarship uh i really don't know how it happened but i mean i have some idea uh, which was uh, uh, that i had the requisite experience and i spent a lot of time writing a writing an application that would get me to an interview so basically i think i took it step by step and that is something that everyone should uh should do uh, because if you look at everything together it can be quite overwhelming so my first goal was to write a compelling application uh, apparently it was a compelling application uh, because i did make it through to the personal interview uh, for the fulbright and uh, then uh, then you don't really know how they select or anything i, I still don't have any idea but i think the the main i think one of the things that one would look at given that they are funding you uh, with significant amount of money i think one of the things would be to see how you would be as a cultural ambassador of the country because uh, the fulbright is a is a cultural exchange program that supplements your academic learning at a us institution so if you're applying for that i think you should one 
take some time to uh, to uh, to think about what you which field of study you want to apply for. So there are about eight or ten different fields. I chose higher education administration. Uh, you should look up the website, and uh, I think any time now they will be releasing the new pamphlets. Uh, so one is to start early, uh, think about your personal statement, reflect on your journey, uh, see how you got to the point where you got, uh, then start bringing clarity to your study objectives, uh, how how studying at a U.S. institution will help you achieve your future goals. So my goals were to understand uh, the higher education enterprise as a whole. So I wrote my uh, statements accordingly. Uh, and even my personal statement was tailored to explain to the jury how from being a confused banker, I am now applying for a Fulbright in higher education administration. So I spent, I mean, you can do it in a week, but uh, to lower your in presumable anxieties that would come with it, and to just have more time to think and be completely satisfied with your application, the most important thing is to start early. And if you do make it to the personal interview, I think I think there is a lot of value in being candid. Uh, but the most important thing would be that you are extremely thorough about your application and you know exactly why you are going to be sitting in that interview. Because there are going to be about 10 people who are going to interview you and you will have no more than 12 to 15 minutes to convince that jury that, you should be given an eighty thousand uh, dollar Fulbright award, uh, so it can be quite intimidating. It was extremely intimidating for me. I, I think I messed up my interview, but I'm, I'm thanking my stars uh, that they gave me the benefit of doubt. Uh, but anyway, uh, so that I think that was the advice. And uh, if someone is applying for a master's which is so specialized not just higher education or if anyone is applying for a extremely specialized master's uh, you should be sure of why you are applying for that uh, my one of one of the reasons apart from what may be evident to people uh, was that i as an individual i tend to stray in many directions and i spent 26 years not knowing what to do uh, so in order to maintain my focus, instead of applying for an MBA or a public administration program, which I would have loved to do anyway, I applied for a master's focused in this field so that I can sort of uh, keep my focus. So that was the reason for me. Uh, and I'm sure everyone will have their own reasons. Uh, so yeah, that is that is one of the things that I would want to say. But if anyone has any questions about applying to graduate school uh, and applying for scholarships, I'll be more than happy to have a conversation and be no, we'll, we'll definitely love to have a network capital premium masterclass with you um, oh. but you know i just want to thank you for this incredible podcast you've uh, explained what yif is what it isn't how is the university changing you've given tips about uh, the overall program but more importantly i think you've shared the journey of somebody who was confused slightly disgruntled with the education system. And instead of uh, just talking about the challenges, uh, took proactive steps to try and address it in his own small way. And in doing so, you've created a career for yourself and your advice will help thousands of people who are considering any of these things. Thanks very much, Karan. It's been a delight. Thank you so much, Utkarsh. Uh, it's been a delight for me as well. Be well. <laughs>